David. All right. Good. Well, today I'm going to be talking about the end times, doing an overview of Israel and the end times. And um, probably in the middle and at the end, for sure, I'm going to have some time for questions and stuff. So uh, make sure you jot them down uh, so you don't forget. Um, so today is just going to be an introduction slash overview because this is really like a humongous topic. Um, so when we think about the Bible, the God that we believe in, he is not just the beginning, Genesis. He's also not just Alpha, but he's Omega, the end. So he's the God who knows the beginning from the end. He created all things. Is that what Omega means? Yeah. Actually, Omega is a Greek letter. It's like A to Z in English, Alpha to Omega in Greek. It's like a, the Greek letters. So basically, God is saying, I'm the A and I'm the Z. I'm the beginning and I'm the end. I'm not sure I thought about it. Sure. <laughs> in Hebrew, it's called that written because Hebrew, the Bible was written in Hebrew before it was written in Greek. Yeah. So most of the Old Testament is, is written in Hebrew. So in Hebrew, it uses a completely different um, alphabet. Oh. And so Greek is, most of the New Testament is written in Greek, and Greek is more familiar to us because like the, the sororities and the fraternities, they use the Greek letters. And so those, those are the alpha to omega. Hebrew is like completely different. It, you write from right to left instead of left to right to. So good. So God is not just the God of creation, the beginning. He's also the God of the end. He not only created all, but everything is pointing to him, and it's sum, summed up in him. And so the God that we pray to, um, the God who created everything, and God who is going to finish everything, um, what we think about him, and what he does, and how he does it, what, we, what comes to our mind when we think about God, it, it really is, as like A.W. Tozer said in his book, it's the most important thing about us. Because what you believe of, about this God, how he created everything and how he's going to finish everything, what you believe about him is going to affect how you pray and affect how you live and maybe affect how you study and how you uh, live, it, live your life, everything. Um, so today we want to take get a view of the end times. Um, do you, ha you guys have your notebooks and your outlines there? Um, it's, there's a lot in there, so I probably won't read word for word, but I, I'll touch on a few of the points here. Um, Roman numeral one there says the end times and the unveiling of the beauty of Jesus. The study of the end times is a study into the beauty and the brilliant leadership of Jesus. So when we're talking about the end times, we're talking about how Jesus is going to lead in this period of history, this particular period of history. And it's about who Jesus is at the very end. Um, it's, it's the second sentence there. It's not primarily about charts and timelines. Um, you know, when you study the end times, there's gonna be a lot of like charts and videos and so many like different opinions. Uh, it's really, it can get really overwhelming, and because of that, a lot of people choose to ignore this entire topic. And to some people, it brings up a lot of fear, um, because some of the stuff we're going to talk about, it's not, uh, it might be surprising, the, the God that reveals himself in the Bible. And so um, we, we want to study this topic, not because it's some fringe, weird thing, but it's because it's really at the heart of who Jesus is. So Jesus is not just a baby who was born in a manger and died on a cross and rose again. He did all of those things. He's also the king and the judge who is going to come again to the earth and judge the nations, restore Israel, and bring about a new heaven and a new earth. Okay? So the gospel, the good news that we Christians believe is not just that Jesus loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life, which he absolutely does, but the gospel is not just that. The gospel is not just a personal, God loves me and I want to get blessed. Um, it's much more than that. The gospel is a gospel of the kingdom that 
he, there is a king upon the throne, and all the nations and the kings of the earth are a tool in his hand, and he's the sovereign God who controls all things. He's the beginning and the end, and he's not only letting things happen, but he's orchestrating everything so that his, his, um, all his plan and his purposes will be realized in history. Um, so back to the third sentence, third sentence there. What we believe about the times we live in will influence whether we live with indifference, fear, or an expectant longing for Jesus' return. It takes us from an individual, personal faith, and catches us up, catches us up in God's epic story. Uh, number one there, the study of the end times does not lead to fear, but a deeper love and longing, ex- longing expectation for Jesus' appearing so that we can partner with him in his purposes in the end of the sage. A healthy perspective on the end times fuels a New Testament lifestyle and a culture of prayer. Revelation 1.1 says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John. All right, so uh, the main idea here is that the end times and what we're studying about today is really the question of who Jesus is and what is he going to do and why is he going to do the things that he does. Um, let's see. Quick, get my other notes here. And I think an important thing to think about is the fact that I think a lot of us, like, who comes into your mind when you think about Jesus? You know, is he the shepherd with the you know, staff in his hand and, you know, the mild-mannered, gentle guy? Is he like that? He is. He is the good shepherd. Uh, what else, you know, what other images come into your mind? But not only is he a shepherd, but he's also many other things as well, Right? And so we want to look at the entire Bible to see who this Jesus is. Because if I only know Jesus as one aspect, whether he's shepherd or healer or something else, then I'm going to live and pray to this God and relate to him on that one, one tiny level. But the Bible reveals a God who is way above our thoughts and our ways. And what he does and how he does it, it's really, um, it's really epic. And so it makes us live differently and makes us pray differently. Um, And the gospel is not just about me, but it's about God's kingdom and what Jesus did so that I can be a part of that kingdom. All right, so um, uh, number two, the time period which we refer to as that, quote, end times is the end of the age in which we are living right now. It's not the end of the world, but the end of this age. Ephesians 2.7 says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So there's different ages in God's timeline, and we are living in this one age, and this age is going to end, and then the next age is coming, and then after that, another age. So the Bible gives us uh, sneak peeks into what is coming. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the stuff happens at the end of this age and Jesus returns. We'll get there in a minute. Oh, sorry, I'm joking. Oh, no, no. No, this is good. (laughs) It is. And then Jesus is going to come and set his kingdom on the earth for a thousand years. So that's the next age. And at the end of that, there's going to be another great, uh, Satan's going to come with one last effort and then God's going to bring about the new heaven and new earth. In between that time, Satan is in the bottomless pit, and then he's going to be let out for a little bit at the end of the thousand years. So there's different ages to come. Um, So letter B, we need to pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We need revelation so that we might know Jesus more and follow his true leadership. And we need wisdom so that we will know how to live our lives in light of who Jesus is. All right, so when it comes to the topic of the end times, um, some people um, 
I think most people just ignore it or don't talk about it. It's kind of like um, the important things. Jesus died on the cross, was buried, rose again, you know, and the basics. And then a lot of people don't talk about the end times at all because one of the reasons is because people disagree on it. There's like, you know, people who are respected and love God have different opinions about what it's going to look like and what Jesus is going to do. Some people say all of it is symbolic or most of it is symbolic. Other people say, no, God means what he said. And, and so because of that, like, how am I supposed to decide, like, what is God really saying, right? And so because of that, some people don't study it. Other people, like, I've talked about this in places, and literally people, like, faces change, and they get really angry. Like, I don't want to believe in this God that you're talking about. There's, like, you know, like, in Jesus' name, get behind me, almost, because, like, whoa, like, why would people want to talk about a God who's coming to judge and he's, he's going to execute kings? He's going to send judgment on the earth. And just like he sent the flood in Noah's time, God is going to, going to bring fire, Peter says, at the end of this age. And he's going to bring about a new heaven and a new earth. And, and all the plagues and the things that he did in Egypt, it's going to be way more at the end of this age during the Great Tribulation when God prepares the earth for the return of his son. And so people hear that and say, wow, why would we want to believe in that God, right? I'd rather believe in a God who loves me and cares for me and helps me get over my issues and like, blesses me, right? That's usually what we talk about in church, churches generally in America. Um, and so we, want, we really, really need a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we can really know who this God is and pray as he wants us to pray, right? Because we don't only want to pray Lord, give me my daily bread, right? Help me in school. Help me with my job, with my work and relationships and everything. Help me. We don't only need daily bread, but before that, God says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, right? So in the Lord's Prayer, it's our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And then give us this day our daily bread. So how you pray for your life is going to be affected by how you understand what it means that you're praying for his kingdom to come. So all the stuff we're going to talk about today, it, if we really understand it right and God helps us, it should really affect how we pray and how we live our lives. And but just one other thing um, before we go on is that um, the gospel that we preach if I could be a little controversial, <laughs> since I'm a guest, I'll be controversial. <laughs> um, the gospel that we preach in America um, of Jesus loves you and he'll forgive you your sin and go to heaven is not going to be enough to help people really stay the course with God in the season that we're coming upon, right? It is very true, but that is not all who God is and not all that God does, right? So the gospel is not something we here in comfortable America believe, but the gospel of the kingdom is good news for the poor in Uganda or in Syria, for the refugees in different parts of the world. Uh, Nigeria, where I hear there's terrible persecution going on, one of the worst right now in the world. Um, North Korea. So the gospel of the kingdom is going to give courage to all of these believers, the church, right? And America is shifting. The simple gospel that we, the partial gospel that we used to preach and the brand of American Christianity, we have to ask, is that really what the Bible really teaches? Or do we really need to pray Ephesians 1, 17, 18, 19 and say, God, give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. So I don't want to play Christianity. I don't want to play church. I don't want to think I did it and stand before you and realize, my gosh, I have no idea who you are and what you did on the earth. Not only that, Jesus says in Matthew 24, when the end comes, many will be offended. Many Christians will be offended. Of course, non-believers will be offended at Jesus returning. The Antichrist and his armies, when they see Jesus returning, they're not going to say, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. They're going to say Oh, yeah, we're going to kill you. <laughs> that's, that's their response. It's the maximum hardness of heart. 
Jesus brings believers and prepares the church that our hearts will be fully ablaze with love. And through the furnace of the great tribulation and through light, he purifies us and prepares us to love him forever. The other side is also true. While the wheat mature and grow, the chaff mature and grow, and just as a church comes to maturity, the world and the sinfulness of the world is going to come to maturity, right? Both are going to come to full maturity, and then Jesus is going to come back after both grow. Are we allowed yeah. to ask questions? Yeah, go okay, for it. Question. Did you say the atheists will kill God when he comes back? Well, oh, uh, no, the Antichrist and the armies are going to declare war on him, mm-hmm. on Jesus when he comes back. Yeah. Try to maybe, right? Or think they can somehow. Yeah. They'll be under the illusion. Oh, yeah. Because I actually get confused. Antichrist still believes God. It is. Right? Does the Antichrist believe in God? Um, I believe that he's real. Because the devil knows that God's real. He knows the Bible better than anybody else. Yeah, yeah. I think so, yeah. That's a great point. I think I would agree with you, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right now, rebellion would be worse than ignorance. But I think by that time, no one can say, oh, you didn't warn us, God. Yeah. I think things will be so crystal clear and heading into that place where both the wheat and the chaff mature. Remember, the farmer planted the wheat, and then in the night, an enemy comes and plants the chaff. And... Uh, in the morning, the, the servants say, oh my gosh, master, what? the enemy must have come and done this. And should we pluck out the chaff? And the master goes, no, wait, because wait till the end, because you might pull out the wheat with it. And so then at the end, when the wheat are standing up and the chaff, are, wheat are bowing down and the chaff are standing up, um, Jesus says, bring the chaff and throw it into the furnace and bring the wheat into the barns. So um, the Antichrist, he's going to be in the fullness of sin, uh, like what Satan offered to Eve and Adam. You can be like God. Um, I think that's pretty much the Antichrist spirit, that I am the anointed one, that I can be like God, I, I will ascend. And I think the Antichrist and the false prophet um, will have that spirit. And so he's not just... Uh, He's, he's like the full maturity of that spirit. And, and then not only that, humankind will be at the full maturity of evil and wickedness. Remember back, way back in Genesis, um, God created Adam and Eve, and after some time, sin became so rampant on the earth that man's thoughts continually, all the time, was sin. Not just once in a while there might be a murder or there might be some some crime. It was all the time, everybody. And God was grieved that he created man. And so he sent judgment, but he preserved Noah. It's going to be like that, but multiplied. Because God is restraining sin right now by his Holy Spirit, uh, restraining wickedness on the earth. And then eventually God's going to lift that hand, and both will come to maturity. And then but it's not unto our destruction, it's unto our deliverance and restoration of the nation and the people of God of Israel. And in that context, Jesus is going to return, uh, destroy the Antichrist armies, literally, like bloodshed. And he will throw the Antichrist um, and the false prophet into, it was, um, are they the first ones to get into the lake of fire, I think? Anyways, Jesus is coming to bring judgment and to restore Israel and to, to bring about the next age, the thousand years of peace on the earth. So I got distracted by the question. Oh, yeah, that was your question. Yeah. No, no, that's good. 
I don't mind actually. I I prefer questions because it helps me to think. I wouldn't do it on like a Sunday sermon. <laughs> as long as it has something to do with like, what's your favorite pizza? <laughs> as, long, as long as it's not like, not like that, it's all good. <laughs> cool, cool. Um, let me let me shift over a little bit. Um, teaching style. I'll I'll ask some questions. Um, do we know when Jesus is coming back? No, right? Because the Bible says no one knows the day or the hour. But can we know the seasons when he's returning? Right? Yeah. Uh, on the outline there, First um, Thessalonians five four is that at the near the bottom of your page one there, right? But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. Right? So as we study the Bible more, we get more expectant and long, longing for Jesus, longing for him to return, and then we can know the seasons of his return. Right? You know, right now, for the first time in a couple thousand years, actually things are lined up that Jesus could return very soon. One thing, for example, Revelation and Isaiah and all the books say the end time drama is going to center around this one city called Jerusalem and all the nations, it becoming the focal point and the tension point of the entire earth. And all the armies of the nations are going to gather around it at the valley called Megiddo, where Armageddon, the mountain of Megiddo, there, um, the armies of the Antichrist and all the nations are going to gather, and that's where Jesus is going to come to deliver his people. So that could not have been fulfilled in the last 2,000 years because there was no officially recognized nation of Israel. Jerusalem was not the capital. Um, I think the United States acknowledge, acknowledges Jerusalem as a capital. I think Australia just made a motion to not acknowledge Jerusalem as a capital. You know, is there going to be, are there going to be two states? You might have heard some of this stuff on the news. It's like, oh, it's like something that happens on the other side of the world. But the Bible says that's going to be the focal point that brings the entire earth, whether for God or against God. And in that context, Jesus is going to return. So that could not have happened in the last 2,000 years. But since 1948, the stage is set for that to come about literally. Another thing is Matthew 24, Jesus said, when this gospel of the kingdom goes to the end of the, end of the earth, then the end will come. Right? So the gospel had gone to many places in the world, but for the first time in history, Christians and people who study missions are saying, wow, this could really happen, and the gospel could go to every people group by such and such a year. Before, they were saying by 2020, but I think they pushed it back a little bit. There's a few people groups that are left that do not have the gospel, meaning there's not a certain percentage of people who are Christians in that people group yet. So, um, so Jesus uh, could come back at, uh, we don't know the day or the hour, and he could come back at any moment, but for believers, we can really know the seasons and the times. Uh, so because of that, it's not going to surprise us as a thief in the night. We want to look at 1 Thessalonians 5. Swing over there really quick. Thessalonians 5, 4. Let me start at chapter 5, verse 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. I'll, I'll exp we'll talk about the day of the Lord in a minute. But it will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But the verse we read, verse 4, But you, meaning Christians, you are not in darkness, brothers, for the day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. So 
what Paul is talking about there is um, what we've been talking about. The Bible talks about the day of the Lord. What do you think the day of the Lord is? What does that phrase bring to mind? Yeah. It's a really important phrase in the Bible. The prophets talk about it. The New Testament talks about it. It's basically what we've been talking about. It's the end of this age, the Great Tribulation. Um, and specifically the Great Tribulation, but the things leading onto that day. So let's kind of think about it like for thousands of years, it is the day of man. It is the day of the prince of the power of this air, right? And then people are asking, where is this God who's supposed to love, and how, why does he allow evil to happen? Why, does, why did he allow so-and-so this to happen to them, you know? Why can there be evil? Like, that's the age that we're living in. But God is coming, and he's going to have his day. What's going to happen on his day? He's going to judge evil. In fact, remove it from the earth eventually. He's going to judge wickedness, judge the nations. He's going to set Israel in its proper place to be a blessing to the nations. Um, and he's going to, um, and Jesus is going to return. And so that's God's day. It's a great day because all the things that the Bible points to, that's the full maturity of the church at that time. Jesus is coming back for a bride without a spot, without blemish. So it's God's day. But it's also a terrible day because it's when all the judgments are coming. Like, like Noah had the flood. He had to do things to get ready, like get the wood, Get the animals. Oh, only two here. Or, you know, I got to get another rabbit, right? He had to do stuff. He had to build stuff. He had to gather her, his family and explain to them, you know, God spoke and he's going to destroy the earth. You know, what? <laughs> I had all these crazy, uncomfortable conversations. Why would God do that? He had to work through all of that. But in the same way, God's not going to destroy the earth by a flood anymore. That's why the rainbow is there as a sign, and around his throne there's a rainbow like an emerald. God's not going to destroy the earth with water, but Peter says he is going to send fire to consume the earth, his judgments, to cleanse out wickedness from the earth, ultimately forever. So that's the day of the Lord, when God has his way. It's like God's day. Finally, God doesn't patiently wait for people to turn and come to him. Finally, here arises for the millions and billions whose blood's been shed through all of history. And he's going to arise to bring vengeance. He's going to arise to bring justice on the earth. And out of our mouths will come praise. And Isaiah sing, says there's going to be singing and praise to God. It's the craziest, craziest thing, but it's that day. So for some people, people think that it's going to come as a thief in the night because... Noah was waiting for many years for the flood to come, preparing. But the, for the people, once it started raining, it's like, oh, it's too late to get into the ark. It's closed. It's too late to start building one because it takes years, right? Um, so for Christians, it's going to be like a thief in the night. You know, people break into people's homes, you know. Here in our area, a lot of it happens at night when we're not expecting it. Maybe because people are sleeping or they're out of town, right? Um, but the Bible says we're not living in darkness like that. We are children of the light, people of the day. And so we will know when he's coming. And all that we live for will not be stolen away like a thief comes and takes everything. Um, but we will be able to receive our inheritance from God. Yeah.
Yeah, yeah. I can remember it saying like seven years is going to be like not the grace period, but like the time where people can still get saved. And after that, it's going to be like. Yeah, that's it. Mm -hmm. So that's only seven years? Yeah. Um, so from right now to the end of this age, and then after the end of this age, it's going to end, at the end of this age, it's going to be seven years. The tribulation and the final three and a half years is going to be the great tribulation. Okay, so that's from from when Jesus, I guess, when Jesus rose again, I could we could say till the end of this age. After that, after the final seven and a half seven years, and after Jesus returns at the end of that, he's going to establish his kingdom on the earth for a thousand years. But we know that the people who we who are believe in Jesus, when Jesus returns at the end of the seven years, we're going to be transformed in the twinkling of an eye, 1 Corinthians 15 says, we're going to have resurrected bodies, we're going to meet Jesus in the air to be forever with him, but not everybody is. Um, people who are dead before that, at the end of the thousand years, everyone's going to stand before God, the skies will be rolled up, the ocean, everything, and everything's going to be laid bare, and then we will all stand before uh, God's throne of judgment um, but yeah so those who believe in Jesus will be with him and then um, those who are still alive on the earth but not dead yeah the life will go on but things will change in the world that in during the thousand years like um, Isaiah says that people will live long as I forgot what he says long as trees or something yeah it's kind of like when God created mankind he didn't create them to die after 80 years right um, he created them in God's image, but Adam, disobeying God, brought sin and death into the world, right? And until Noah's time, I think, people lived like a thousand years, like Methuselah, 969 years or something. Right? Somebody breaks a hundred, we're like, oh my gosh, call Guinness or something, right? But um, yeah, people lived a long time. And so maybe that's going to be restored. Jesus is going to bring his kingdom to bear upon everything, medicine, technology, entertainment, everything. And so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, let's go into the rapture. Yeah, yeah. This is good because I, I feel like you guys have like heard this before. And so I, it, today I feel like we could strengthen the parts that make the connections. So the rapture, um, it's a great question because it ties in a lot of things you got, we've been talking about. Uh, rapture um, happens when Jesus returns and we're caught up with him in the air. Um, so when is he, when is Jesus coming? What's what that? Yeah. <laughs> so when is Jesus coming back? We don't know. We don't know. But he is, in that timeline we've been talking about, during the seven, seven years, during the thousand years, after new heaven and new earth, where is Jesus coming back? Oh, after. After the we'll seven years. After the seven years? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we will know when the seven years because 
the Antichrist will make a treaty with Israel. Oh, right, sorry. Yeah. It's coming back, it's coming back. <laughs> yeah. It could, very soon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this, during the last three and a half years is when the book of Revelation chapter 6 through 19 happens. So that's when the seven seals are open. That's when the seven trumpets are blown. And that's when the seven bowls of wrath are poured out. Right? The seventh, Jesus comes back at the last trumpet, the Bible says. In the book of Revelation, there's seven of them. And after the seventh trumpet, Jesus returns. And and, uh, no, no. All of that happens within the last three and a half years. Oh, okay. The seven trumpets are just one judgment after another. But it's not just a judgment, but it's kind of like a wake-up call. It's kind of like, like um, think of it like a fire alarm. Like we're in this room. And the whole there's world will hear it obviously. Yeah. I think it would be, to Christians, it would be very obvious. Yeah. Maybe people will have dreams and visions of, wow, there's the fourth one. <laughs> so for some people will think, okay, well, what God said in the Bible is like literally coming about. Are, am I going to believe this God? Not only that, am I going to love him or am I going to hate him? That's going to be the question. It's not going to be like, it's going to be hard to be like, well, I'm ignorant. You know, I, I don't care. You know, it's going to be hard to do that. So after the last trumpet, Jesus is coming back. And then he's going to pour out the bowls of wrath on the Antichrist and his armies. So Jesus comes back at the end of the seven years. And then that's when the, quote, rapture takes place and we're caught up in the air to meet him in the air. And then he, we land and then he sets his throne in Jerusalem and he reigns for a thousand years. So that's the view that, um, that is the most literal, in my opinion, of what the Bible says. If you read Matthew 24, Jesus says, after the tribulation of those days, Jesus says, then the trumpet, and then he's coming back. Now, um, in, in many parts of the world, a popular opinion was that Jesus was going to come back before all the crazy, all the bad stuff, and snatch the church out of the earth before that. So that's called the pre-tribulation rapture. The tribulation is a seven years. The great tribulation is a final three years. Some Christians thought, oh, God's not going to judge me. He's not going to let me die. So Jesus is coming back secretly to snatch people out of the air. So you might have heard the Left Behind series. That's oh, the yeah, yeah. pre-tribulation, before the seven years. Or which, which way? This is your left. Okay. Creation, <laughs> now to end of this age, the final seven years, final three and a half years, the tribulation, pre-tribulation rapture left behind so that's why like if you see those movies where christians disappear and all the news people are going oh no where are the christians at those are pre-tribulation rapture yeah a lot of christians believe that um the problem with it is jesus said in matthew 24 after the tribulation of those days that he's coming back right and then and if you think about it if you know that you're going to be gone before all the tribulation, would you live your life differently if you knew versus if you had to live through that? Yeah. Right? right? Like if you knew that there was going to be a test at the end of this quarter, <laughs> you know, would you take notes differently? Would you live life differently? Right? That's the idea. Will we prepare? Right? Um, but... But why, do, why would we want to? First of all, what does the Bible say? And then, and some people, some, some people don't believe in a, um, anyway, so that, those are the main, two of the main views. The, what, we, uh, what we believe is a more literal view is post-tribulation rapture. Jesus is coming back at the end of the tribulation, and then he's going to rapture us, and we're going to meet. So we do believe in a rapture, just not, before the tribulation. I heard that like Christians will live through the rapture, but like will be protected from like everything that's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Ghost, ghost. 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. God, the wrath is not for us. Yeah. But the thing is, uh, judgments are on the earth, and God protects us. Uh, let, let me say it this way: Daniel, his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and uh, Abednego, when King Nebuchadnezzar said, "Hey, when this music plays, <laughs> everybody bow." <laughs> That's my interpretation. <laughs> And they said, no, king, we're not going to bow down. <laughs> and what did they say? Oh, uh, king, we're not going to bow down to your idol. There's only one God, and we're not going to bow down because God's going to deliver us because he was going to kill people if they don't bow down to the idol. Um, they said, he, God's going to deliver us. And they said, but even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down. Right? So I think that's our attitude. Because in the tribulation, there's actually going to be a lot of persecution and a lot of martyrs as well. Because there's going to be a lot of Christians, just like the blood of many prophets and others have been shed throughout history. Uh, people, like two of the greatest witnesses to Jesus' coming in the book of Revelation, uh, people are going to kill them and there's going to be a big party in, around the world that they're dead. That's going to be the atmosphere. And they're not the only two people that they're going to have tried to kill. Right? Like the political climate in America, it's getting stronger. But, you know, it's, we're, it's nothing compared to the, the intensity we're going to see at the end of this age when wickedness, the, the, the ragings of Satan, the wickedness of human, the human heart, and convulsions of nature and the judgments and the wrath of God all four on complete maximum that's what the end of the seven years is like all ramping up and the seven years the seven trumpets is God saying okay it's getting closer beep <laughs> there's the first one there's the judgment on the whatever there's the second one third one after the sixth one there's you know and then after the seventh one the time is up people to, to repent will be up so yeah, so uh, many Christians will be protected, but there is going to be like the blood of the martyrs that's been shed that's under the altar, you know, in Revelation 4. They're saying, how long, O Lord, before you avenge our blood? You know, and so, um, but the good news is, yeah, they're going to be dead for a shorter time <laughs> because Jesus is coming back within seven years. Now, that's not the good news, but the good news is that um, Jesus is coming and vengeance is, is in his hands. Right? See, a lot of people are really put off by the, the picture. Like, I'm preaching through Isaiah right now in Isaiah 63. Who is this coming up from Edom? His robe dipped in blood. And it's in Revelation too. It says, because I've been treading on the wine presses. Like, you know, this is like how they make wine is they put all the grapes in a big um, tub. <laughs> made out of stone and they, they wash their feet hopefully and then they stomp the grapes That's, and then the juice they have a hole that the wine flows down to the bottom it's the wine press but it's because Jesus has been stomping on the wine press of the judgments and the wrath of God on the nations at the end of this age and his robes are dipped in blood and he is coming to like when God says don't take revenge because vengeance is mine literally God is going to bring about righteousness and judgment against the sin and it would be towards us too if Jesus didn't die on the cross and we by faith and grace through him so anyways, I'm dabbling now but yeah yes but there will be a lot of persecution as well too Teaching this for 50 years and blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. It 
for me, this is new for me, and I'm coming with new eyes, and I'm just hearing, I'm like, I'm just taking it literally what it says, and it seems to be more post-trip. It seems to be that more makes sense. Yeah. The pre-trip, even though I don't really want to go through it, I think a lot of the roots of the Pentecostal charismatic renewal movement and all the people you, I don't know about Perry Stone, but yeah, um, come from that realm. And traditionally, they've been more pre-trib that we're going to be out of here before the big trouble hits. Yeah, they're very convinced of it. Yeah. There's a whole history behind it, Mm -hmm. but I think... What, like you're saying, what's important is that we look at the entire arc of the Bible, and then, um, and I think really look at what Jesus said. In Matthew 24 and Revelation, we see what the order that Jesus presents, mm-hmm. and then lastly, understanding God's ways. Like the kingdom of God is not just forgiveness and prosperity and blessing. The kingdom of God is Jesus coming to rule and reign on the earth. But the kingdom of God is also God not just plants the wheat and they mature and take over the world. The kingdom of God is also the chaff mature and try to take over the world too with their version of justice and with their version of love and with their version of whatever. I can be in the place of God and decide what is good and evil, take of the fruit of knowledge. It's the very bait of Satan. Um, And the purpose of the tribulation is not to punish Christians at all, but it's the maturing of what we're living in now, right? And I feel like some of the pre-trib and the thought that we can try to extract this doesn't understand the gospel of the kingdom that the gospel of the kingdom comes, Jesus comes first as a suffering servant, and then later he comes as a conquering king. Um, and the purpose of the tribulation is to purify us and to prepare us and to align with God's purposes and not just to, um, not just for our, our blessing. Um, yeah, I feel like a lot of the people who are not persecuted, believe in the pre-trip theory, the, the prosperity gospel, things like that. I don't think it flies well like in Syria and Ukraine and places like that. It's like that gospel has no connection with people's hearts. It's not, it's a partial gospel. Uh, the, the gospel that we hold on to, it's, it's going to seem like there is no hope until the very end, but then our blessed hope Jesus returns. And, yeah, the purpose of the tribulation is not to, you know, punish Christians at all. Some Christians will be, there will be persecution and some will lose um, our lives. But God will definitely protect and deliver and do many miracles. Absolutely. Hmm. All right. 808. I could just summarize and wrap it up, maybe. Yeah, I think let me um, cover the Great Tribulation. So if you look in the outline there, it's kind of the order of the way things happen. The Roman numeral one is introduction. Roman numeral two talks about the day of the Lord. Roman numeral 3 talks about the Great Tribulation. Roman numeral 4 talks about the Rapture. Um, Letter B there talks about the timing of the Rapture at the last trumpet. Um, Letter C, Roman numeral 4, talks about when Jesus says, immediately after the Tribulation of those days, then verse 30, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. So yeah. 
to me, Jesus says when he's coming back after the tribulation. So, um, and then Roman numeral five. One thing we didn't talk about too much, but it's in your outline there is Roman numeral five is the importance of Israel in all of that and how Israel fits in. Um, and then lastly, that millennium. And ultimately, it's unto Revel- uh, Roman numeral seven, all things under Christ, heaven and earth coming under one head, even Christ. Um, so yeah, so I, I guess by summary, I, I would just say this. Um, go back to what we talked about. God created the world, but he will also sum it up. Um, he created a world without brokenness and uh, in a garden. And he created man to have perfect communion with him. But mankind said, we will take the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil and decide what is right and what is wrong what is good and what is not instead of God letting us do that so all of history has been the outplaying of that um, but God and because of that open to sin and death so what God where God has taken us is Eden and uh, the garden of Eden restored God's full kingdom on the earth people living according to his ways without the brokenness our lives uh, without sin, without death, without all the things that make life miserable and all of these things. Um, <clears throat> but how we get there, I think, is importance of how we think about life and how we pray. Um, and I think the more we keep the focus on how Jesus leads in our lives and in the end times, I think it will help us to get more clarity. Then um, i just say... I think it's important to take the Bible literally as much as we can when Jesus and Revelation and Isaiah all talk about that flow. It's the tribulation and and then the uh, and then the, the day of the Lord. Um, yeah, I think we'd want to be prepared because the day is coming, and if we don't prepare now, um, we will be offended or we will be ignorant or um, our hearts will not be prepared to be able to sing just and true are your judgments when when God is doing all this stuff. So all right. So just those